with Bobby this episode is Eddie Edwards hello Eddie hello Bobby how's it going yeah all right thanks how are you how's your kombucha uh it's um we did finish the first stage and we've tried that and it's uh, uh, either later today or tomorrow we'll have the flavored pineapple kombucha ready, pineapple which, that's a good yeah. idea yeah so we're looking forward to that yeah had my first stand-up gig in about six months last night as well oh yeah which went, yeah went reasonably well uh yeah, to be fair, it's one of those things where every comedy comedian on the bill was pretty rusty, but everybody in the audience hadn't seen live comedy for <laughs> seven months. So it worked out quite nicely. <laughs> or even uh, been out of the house. They were like, oh, yeah. people, I remember them. Yeah. <laughs> people with jokes. Amazing. Yeah, the last time I did stand-up, coronavirus had the same death toll as Love Island. So, yeah. I don't. How many is that? How many has Love Island had? Love Island's had three suicides. Has it? Yeah. Jesus Christ. It's <laughs> another reason not to watch it. Oh my God. That's really depressing. <laughs> I find it funny. Oh. Uh, oh dear. Is that one of the jokes in your stand up? That was my opener. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, obviously, you've been on the podcast before. You were on episode two. And I've asked you to come back on for this episode because in episode two, we did talk a little bit about Marvel films. Specifically, yes. we spoke about the Avengers films. Yes. But I wanted to have you back on today because we're going to talk about a new Marvel film, The New Mutants. Yes. Which is a movie I primarily went to see just to confirm to myself that it actually existed <laughs> because the tra- I remember the f- I've looked I had to check double check this but the first trailer for this movie came out in 2017 yeah and it was originally going to be released I think in like 2018 or 2019 2018 it, uh, April yeah. 2018 yeah because and it's it's the whole thing is it, it was it would have been released just after Disney acquired Fox and then Disney decided they weren't happy with it or they wanted to recut it. And it sort of, it seems to have just been sat on a shelf 
until this year's rolled around and they've gone oh this is the perfect time to just shove this into cinemas right when when we've got nothing else essentially yeah and it's it's kind of a a weird one because as far as i can tell i think this was i think this was fox's plan to move forward with x-men without any of the previous x-men characters like rather than going back and doing the classic x-men all the time i think this was their plan was to do this see if it was successful and then maybe move forward and bring the new mutants into a new x-men franchise or something right but then apparently this isn't even the according to i've seen some stuff with the director this isn't he was supposed to do recuts and reshoots and they didn't do any and it's just the original first cut that has been released yeah that's right yeah because uh yeah. usually in in any film it's pretty standard to do some reshoots and some pickups so um obviously you do reshoots because when you get into the editing suite some things haven't worked very well or once you've put the story together then you go oh wait a minute this would work much better if we had a scene here explaining yeah xyz so they just haven't done any because it's been delayed for so long and there was yeah all the stuff about, like you say, Disney acquiring Fox. And I was yeah. thinking, a lot of the actors who are in this are older now, because obviously they're like supposed to be young people. Yeah, yeah. But and they it, but filmed it's, it's it also, like three, four years ago. But even with that, three, four years ago, these are like some of the, the, the for these being younger actors, there's, there's at least two in this who are huge, because mm. it's... Maisie Williams, who was Arya Stark, and I can't remember the actor's name, but Jonathan Byers from Stranger Things. Charlie Heaton. Yeah, because yeah. when and I was because those those are like even for younger child actors, those are in probably the two biggest TV shows. I mean, everybody has decided that Game of Thrones just didn't happen now because of the love. <laughs> <laughs> like the entire society's just gone. Let's pretend that didn't occur. But everybody still likes Stranger Things. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But and yeah, it's got no. um, Anya Taylor-Joy as well in it, who uh, became very famous from The Witch. And then she's done other quite um, interesting projects after that as well. Was she in Emma? Because I, I, yes. I haven't seen it, but I, saw, I remember seeing her on the poster. Is yeah, she, she's the lead in Emma, yeah. Is she, actually, is she, is she American? Because she does, she does a very a, a, a surprisingly good Russian accent, if she is. I think she's kind of from all over the place. So I think her parents, I believe, are maybe from South America. And then she like lived in England and lived in America and kind of lived all over the place. So she's one of those where, like, yeah, her accent in this, her Russian accent is amazing. But equally, her English accent is amazing and her American accent is amazing. Like, I think (laughs) she's really impressive. I love her. I'll watch anything with her in. And she was actually... Anya Taylor-Joy and Maisie Williams were the reasons I went to see this film, because I hadn't heard of it. No, no, I don't think a lot of people have, because it's not even a particularly well-known comic book franchise. It's, it's kind of a weird one. So the, the reason New Mutants exists, it's, it's, it's quite weird. So comic books used to just be like kind of like episodic, boring things. Like it was always like this week, uh, Superman's fighting Lex Luthor. He beats Lex Luthor. Next week he's fighting someone else and nothing really changed. I was thinking of Superman for your example <laughs> because that's exactly what it is. <laughs> but, and then, and then, um, and then in 1973 um, they did a Spider-Man comic where um, Green Goblin killed Gwen Stacy, um, um, and that's basically the point where at that point comics started to have like ongoing story arcs. 
and stuff like that because they needed to sort of address the fact that Gwen Stacy's dead so then you have to have Spider-Man mourn and then you kind of had fans who love Gwen Stacy being like well he can't just move on in a week or two so they kind of backed themselves into a corner and had to do these longer form storylines two years after that a guy called Chris Claremont got hired to do X-Men and wrote X-Men with one continuous storyline for 17 years wow he wrote it from 1975 to 1991 and um, he he's like literally he's the first guy who also wrote any solo Wolverine stuff. So like, he's like massively responsible for that. And then apparently in like about 1982, they just came to him and said, we think the X-Men are a bit too established. We want to do like a new comic to bring people in. And Chris Claremont was like, that's a stupid idea. I don't think we should do that. And they said, well, if you don't do it, we're going to get somebody else to do it. So he basically begrudgingly agreed to create the new mutants. I see. Uh, <laughs> okay. Which was, yeah, it was supposed to be like the, 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 X-Men were no longer students at the X-Men school. They were now up to teachers, and this was the new class that were coming through. And I think the the, the ones they've got in the movie are all the same, except for one, because they've put magic in rather That's than... Right. Karma, I think, was one of the original. This yeah. is 80s and 90s X-Men is pretty much the comic books I grew up on as a kid. So this is my jam. And when they would like announce New Mutants, I was proper excited. And then everything, all of this happened, and I was like... I. <laughs> with like it just disappearing and I, I got to a point where I thought I'd hallucinated that the movie existed <laughs> and then I kept hearing rumours like oh no New Mutants is still coming out they're trying to and then and then suddenly I was just I was looking is there something out, out other than Tenet uh, on like the Cineworld app and I saw the New Mutants and I was like well I'm, I'm going to go see it because it's the just to confirm like I say to myself that it existed yeah it did um, happen it is in cinemas yeah. people can see it even though yeah. no one's heard of it, I haven't seen any trailers for it like and, recently. Yeah, and the characters, even with like New Mutants being an obscure comic book, like a lot of the characters did move on to be like other in other things, like happens in, in comic books. But even with that, these are still probably some of the most obscure like X Men ever. Like Sunspot's major thing was he was used in a there's an alternate reality version of X Men called Age of Apocalypse that ran in the 90s, and he was one of the main X Men in that. Other than that, he's not really done anything. Um, Cannonball's rubbish. The only one who's really sort of busted out and became like a proper character is Magic, because she, in the comic books, is Colossus's little sister. Yes. I All my information on this has come from Wikipedia. I did see that <laughs> on Wikipedia. <laughs> I have heard of Colossus. I know who that is. Yeah. Yeah, and I think at one point she in X-Men comics, she became the Queen of Hell. Oh, cool. Something really stupid. <laughs> like, you know, when comics run about ideas and stuff gets weird, like, yeah. like well, all of Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, actually, now that you mention it, that the only X-Men comics I've read are 1602. Oh, yeah, no. Where I, they go I've back got... to Elizabethan England. So that's... speaking of that, that's like the only, <laughs> that's <Yeah>. it. <laughs> that's I, my I, knowledge. I, I, I love 1602. 1602's great. When you've got, is it is it Daredevil who's like a blind bard yes, who goes around right. playing a lute? <laughs> <laughs> yes. And um, Captain America is like Native American, but not. He's white and blonde. Also, he, isn't, isn't his thing that he's the only one, he's, he's actually the original Captain America who's been sent back in time. Yes, he's something. like the link, isn't he? Yeah. And, he's called, and then the, the others way, are just there for yeah, some reason. Native Americans call him... Rojaz, because that's, that's right. how they pronounce Rogers. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realise that's why they called him that. Yeah. It's, 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 
<laughs> if, if anybody listens to this hasn't read Season O Two, I highly recommend oh, it. It's dear. it's so much fun, especially when Tony Stark turns up with his electric, his lightning powered <laughs> steampunk armor. <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. So yes, yeah, so New Mutants for me is totally new, and I'm really glad that you have like read them and can tell me all yeah. about them. Yeah, it's it, basically the the New Mutants. It's it's the the time that they came out. It was basically X Men was the comic. Like it was right. the only thing anybody was really reading. Cause DC took a long time to sort of respond to having these big long story arcs mm. that were going on. And like Batman, even though we all think of sort of Batman as being cool and ubiquitous, that all started when Frank Miller did Dark Knight Returns. But that was like eighty like 82 83 mm-hmm. so there's like years of like this there's a whole 10 year period where the the biggest selling comic around was uncanny x-men and it was like this huge ongoing storyline and that's where marvel that's why i think um uh, fox bought the rights specifically to x-men because x-men includes about there's been about probably 20 or so other versions of the x-men when they've tried to like spin out into other teams there's things like um uh, one of them is Excalibur, which is the British X-Men. Uh, there's X-Force. There's Exiles, which is X-Men characters from other realities who travel between different dimensions. There's Generation X, which was the second lot of teenage X-Men. Uh, who were, <laughs> Generation who were, X, that's such a good name. That was that was that was the most nineties comic ever. The Amazing. leader of the the leader of that group was Jubilee, the most nineties and most worthless of all the X Men. <laughs> she could shoot fireworks out of her hand. She was rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, those there's there were loads of them, and that sort of Fox had the rights to all of that. So there's some wacky stuff out there which now Marvel have back, and yeah, that's the weirdest thing about this is seeing a, a superhero movie that isn't part of anything larger isn't going to be there's you know there's not going to be a sequel no they're no. not going to do anything else with it it's just kind of weird these days to go see a movie where it, there's not a million and one things in it that you're supposed to make a note of for the next seven movies in the series yeah definitely definitely that it's not going to link in to all these other films like you say and that you're not anticipating a sequel even though it would be so easy to do a sequel like story wise yeah. narratively and and from a personal level, there is one thing they put in this movie that is clearly set up for a sequel, which annoys me so much that we're not getting a sequel to this. Which is, um, it's been, it's they've done it a few times in X Men movies. They've teased um, a thing called the Essex Foundation. Yes. Now, the Essex Foundation is the um, is run by in the comics is run by a character called Nathaniel Essex, who might be the greatest comic book villain ever created. His his name his his like superhero supervillain name is Mister Sinister. <laughs> that, he is a, that sounds like he, something I'd come up with. That's he's an good. immortal shape changing uh, shape changing mutant from Victorian London who was probably Jack the Ripper, but through his close personal friendship, I think with Charles Darwin, has basically he's he's like he spent his entire life secretly manipulating everybody on earth from the shadows using telepaths and loads of other things to make sure that the people with the right mutant genes meet each other and have children <gasps> so that he eugenics can se- x-men se- eugenics yeah so he can no secretly way. breed and his entire game plan is to get colossus and gene gray to have a kid because it would be the most powerful there's a version of it in like one of the comics that's from another universe called nate 
Gray, whose name is who's 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 he, he gets into a fight on the psychic plane with Charles Xavier, and it's it's not even a fight; he just destroys him. Uh, and it's just like, oh, okay, yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> oh my god, this sounds but, amazing. Yeah, they've teased him in it. They teased him in. They teased it in. I think in Deadpool two, they tease it as well, and they've done it a few times in like various parts of the X because the X Men franchise is a mess. Yeah, with the number of times they've tried to do things and change things and retcon things, and they've been about three times, and every single time they've teased Nathaniel Essex, I've gotten super excited, and then he's gone nowhere. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Maybe uh, it's because he is controlling it from the shadows. Yeah, that's probably it. That's it. <laughs> that's it. I busted that wide open, Eddie. Now you know. Yeah. Well, that's that's me <laughs> rambling on about the history of comics. Do we actually want to talk about the film? <laughs> yeah, let's talk about films. All right. So, obviously, we've already mentioned the film we're talking about today is The New Mutants. It was released on the 4th of September this year at the cinema. <laughs> oh, my God. At the cinema. Did you see it at the cinema? I did see it at the cinema. Oh, um, I'm glad because I, I was worried we were going to get in trouble there. <laughs> uh, no, I, I saw it at the cinema uh, and um, I... I, I was impressed by the fact that at one it was a movie that was out. That was yes. that was nice. Um, and the other thing that I've got to say right off the bat that I loved about this movie: ninety-eight minutes. You know, I, yes. I, saw ten, I saw ten at the other week. I am not <laughs> going to go and see it. You're very brave. <laughs> it's a good. Ten is a good movie, but it's not as clever as Christopher Nolan thinks it is. Oh, every film that Christopher Nolan does is not as clever as Christopher Nolan thinks it is, or yeah. at least wants us. To think, to it think is. yeah, yeah. One day he'll do a movie that's as clever as he thinks the movie is, and it'll be yeah, great. But yeah. No, it was um, after sitting through that for I think that's three hours. Oh, I saw the god. runtime of this, and I was like, oh my god! And a movie that's the length that movies should be. Yes, thank <laughs> you. Yeah, it's the perfect length. Yeah, I was happy about that as well. Was this the so you saw Tenet at the cinema first? Yes, yeah. I've been we we've been lucky. We uh, we live uh, across the road from Cineworld, and me and uh, Emma, my girlfriend, both have the um, Cineworld Unlimited cards. So because when they reopened, they didn't have any new movies to show. We've seen Jurassic Park, uh, Batman Begins, and Dirty Dancing uh, awesome. at the cinema, and then we saw Tenet, which was yeah, it's all right. Long, <laughs> so long. Why is he Three making films so long? Good grief, Christopher Nolan. Uh, this was the first film I saw back at the cinema. And, oh man, I'm so happy to be back in the cinema. I love it so much. I missed it so much. And then this was, I was the only one in there as well when I saw this. Oh, so, so you're lucky. We, we, it's, it's still, even with like Tenet, there's nothing near a full cinema. Even mm. with like, not just from social distancing, like I think... Very few people have decided to, it's worth going back. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think but, as well, I don't know if people even know that cinemas are open, to be honest. No, yeah. I think like we got emails about it because we had the unlimited cards already. So yeah. we were informed, but I don't think a lot of people are aware that stuff is out. But. No, I don't think so. Um, I went to see Bill and Ted on Wednesday as well. There were three I'm of us in there for Bill and Ted. I'm seeing that tonight. Uh, <laughs> is it good? I'm not going to tell you. You can make your own mind up. (laughs) (laughs) I am hoping to make a podcast about it. So, you know, well, you'll have watched it by the time you listen to that because it takes me ages to do these. Never mind. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, 
New Mutants. The synopsis for this one is, in this terrifying action-fueled film based on the Marvel comic series, five young people who demonstrate special powers are brought to a secret institution to undergo treatments they are told will cure them of the dangers of their powers. Which is, I mean, it's kind of like, what's Professor X's school called? Uh, The Xavier Institute for Gifted Children. Thank you. So it's kind of like that, but like crap. Uh, (laughs) It's like the worst version of that school. Yeah, yeah. It's like, if that's the private school, then this is the school in inner London. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is is objectively the worst possible version of the Xavier school. Right, it is failing Ofsted, is not... not Like the Xavier School has a as as like an outdoor swimming pool, which when you pull back, has a secret jet underneath it. Right, right. Place has a shitty indoor swimming pool that does not look clean. (laughs) (laughs) I gave this film a six out of ten. Yeah, I'd I'd say I I, I agree with that. I'd say it's a a six 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 out of ten. Uh, I'd say it's a a high six. Yeah, maybe a six point five. But yeah, yeah, six six out of ten. Not. Given what we're talking about with the production side of it, I was I was half expecting this to be. I I, I thought this was going to be either bad or so bad it's good. Me too. I, but but it's given the production hell. I'm surprised how much this is a film. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. So like I said, I didn't know anything about it. I hadn't heard of it. I hadn't heard it was being produced i hadn't seen any trailers for it and then i saw like a chat on facebook where obviously fans were ripping on it and i was like well that's the kind of film i want to go and see (laughs) (laughs) because usually i'm like this is great i love it like you know the ghostbusters ladies version i was like yeah this is amazing i love this film (laughs) 10 out of 10 so (laughs) so i thought well maybe maybe i'll really enjoy this and yeah like i said the only reason i went to see it was Maisie Williams, Anya Taylor-Joy, and then I had a quick look, like the first line on Wikipedia, and it said that it was a horror. And so I was like, right, I'm in. Yeah. Bang, in. Yeah, and I think it's it's not gory, and I don't, mm-hmm. I, I think you could show this to kids, but in terms of tone and what the movie is, I think it's definitely in the horror genre. Yeah, I think it's young adult horror. Yeah. I think. Because um, yeah. it's not some, it's not going to give you nightmares. It's not scary, scary, but it has definite oh, it has horror elements in it, are, in it. It has some things in it that are genuinely scary. Do you think those yeah, guys? Yeah, those the smiley <laughs> the men. Smiley those men. are horrifying. They were scary. Uh, that's true. In the promo stuff, the production and the director. So the director is Josh Boone. They were talking about a lot of movie references, like. Nightmare on Elm Street 3, The Dream Warriors, which I think is a fair comparison, actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, the Breakfast Club, they said it was uh, The Breakfast Club in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. And talking about Boone said he's a lover of Stephen King and he wanted it to be that kind of film. And you can, I think you can see all those references in it. Yeah, I, I've definitely got the vibe of, in terms of, well, in terms of like the tone and the level it is, this very much reminded me of the... The, something that was like a big part of when we were kids, which was the two-part Stephen King miniseries that they did. It seemed to do for like every Stephen King book. Yes. So you get these, you can look, like if you can find these online now, they're like four-hour versions of like the Tommy Knockers or Storm of the Century and stuff. And they are 
they're scary, but they're kind of scary that you can start showing at eight o'clock on a Saturday. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, <laughs> like we watch them as kids and we're not damaged forever. Well, not no. that much. No. <laughs> <laughs> like no. there's spooky things in it. Yeah. Yeah. But they're not like terrifying. Yeah. No, no. This I is, don't have to hide behind the sofa. Mm-mm. This isn't going to scratch the same itch as something like, well, like The Witch, for example. Yes. It's not, it's, and it's, or something like Midsummer. It's not got the same tone because you can't, you can't do that with this kind of thing where you, with those things, what works about them is it's long periods of nothing building suspense and then something truly horrific happens. Horrific. Where, <laughs> whereas in this, you kind of have to do something that's more, more regular sort of jumpy scares that are, yeah, sort of thing because you you still it's just, at the end of the day it's still an X Men movie. Yeah, You're not, you can't get it. It's not Deadpool. You can't go for a like uh, an eighteen rating. No, and, and it is a teen movie. It. Like it's about teens. Yeah. It is that kind of area, and I think rightly so. Another reference they have in it quite often is they is Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah, they have a couple of episodes that they watch during it, and then you see uh, like the box set on the shelf, and then the Smiley Men. I think. Are, yeah, they heavily they, influenced by Buffy. Uh, yeah, the Smiley Men remind me some uh, sim- a lot of the Gentleman, which I think is Hush is one of the episodes Hush, yeah. shown on the screen. I think yeah, one of the other ones is one. I think it's very briefly. I think is once more with Feeling is one of the ones that they're watching. I think uh, you're right, yeah. Um, but it's yeah, it's, it's all stuff from the the best period of Buffy, which is the period where Tara was in it. Uh, the Tara Willow era being the best part of Buffy because it's the only time Willow was truly happy. Which is um, also very much referenced in this film. Yes. The Tara Willow relationship, which is nice, enjoyable um, yeah. in a young teen film. And that it's um, it's not overplayed, I think. There's no. not so you- a bunch of conflict about it. No, there's. It's just there's a there's a, a couple in this that the two the characters that get together. The main romantic plot is two female characters, and yeah, it's handled. It's that's one of the areas where I think you could tell that this hadn't had reshoots because there's there's it does a really good job pacing wise of like establishing characters and doing a like slow build up of powers and stuff like that. But then you get these two characters who meet and then seem to be almost immediately in love, like. It's like I think that like the the whole like from I, I was trying to work out the time frame. I think this movie takes place over the course of it seems to take place over the course of a week. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, so that seems a little bit. That's something that could have done with maybe some more exposition to it. But like again, like I say, given how the production hell of this movie, I am willing to give. Like this is not anybody who was in this this movie. This is not anybody's idea of what this movie should have ended up being. Yeah, and you can see that, definitely. In some scenes, you can think, oh, if they'd have done this again, I bet it would have been better. But this is fine. Yeah, yeah. It's um, And also, I've got to say, I love the fact that the like this is something like this. Whenever you're doing like, one of these superhero team movies, there's like an, it is an ensemble. But to the extent there is a lead character, it is a Native American actress playing a Native American character. And it's not... Like well, especially bear in mind this this character's from like nineteen eighties comic books. There's a a lot of the Native American characters from that. I mean, it was a cool thing to do for representation at the time. But I think everybody in the Native American community who looks at those characters now, they're a little bit too shallow, stereotypy, and they kind of stayed away from that quite well. 
in yeah. this. Um, yeah, I um, think you're absolutely right. It doesn't even feel like they make a, a huge song and dance about it. Look what we're doing. Look at this representation. Because it's that thing of like, um, there's re- like it's a, it's you can go two ways with having representation like this in films. You can go the route of just overplaying it to the point where it comes across as a stereotype, and if anything is worse than having nothing, or you can go the way where you just have a character who could be white, and you just change their ethnicity and make nothing of it and i think this is the the correct way to do it where you have a character who it's not constantly referenced they're not a stereotype but equally um it is definitely part of their character and it definitely informs who that character is yeah absolutely it's in their background it's in their belief system um i quite liked as well so we're talking about blue hunt is the actress and she's playing character danny moonstar and i quite liked when they um when she first meets the group and she goes into the group therapy session and the um, doctor, which is Dr. Cecilia Rays, played by Alice Bragger, asks her to introduce herself. And she says her, her name, Danny Moonstar, and then someone sniggers at the name Moonstar. And I thought, well, like, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, because it's, it's one of those names that could sound, it's the name that you would expect from a hippie. And yeah, exactly. And teenagers are awful, so of course <laughs> they'd, of course they'd laugh at that. Yeah, and it, <laughs> they're it horrible is, people. <laughs> it's also handy that e- even on top of teenagers being horrible people, the character, that character in particular, is definitely a sociopath. Yes. So yeah, so the other people in the film were obviously we said Maisie Williams is playing Rain Sinclair with yeah. a Scottish accent. A surprisingly good Scottish accent. Yes, although yeah. um, it just proves how terrible I am at accents because I left going, that was a fantastic Northern Irish accent. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then I, I was like, oh no. <laughs> I, I, I am always impressed by Maisie Williams because yeah. you, you like her first ever acting role was Game of Thrones. Yes. And, like, given she was, like, a kid actor cast in that role and what the role went on to be and how well she played it, it's probably one of the best pieces of casting in, like, history. Because, like, everybody else, you've got a kind of, like, you've got adults who are playing these roles. You get somebody who's, what was she, like, 12 when she started doing Game of Thrones? Must have been something like that, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, she's... She's great in this, and she's play, um, her. She's I think she's Wolfsbane is the character's name in the comics. That's right. Who has what is not one of the lamest X Men powers, but pretty bad. Which is yeah, but they too the other characters do take the Mickey out of her power as well, which I enjoyed. <laughs> yeah, she can turn into a wolf, but with that she can like she's got the thing is she's got like powers like she can see in the dark, and she's got a heightened sense of smell, and she can like hear really well. Yeah, and she can like pop out claws. And it's like, that's all pretty cool. But Wolverine can do all that. Plus, he's immortal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true. He's, yeah. he's so conflicted, though, isn't he? I guess she is, <laughs> but in a, in a slightly more realistic way. Yeah. Wolverine's yeah, but just, I'm just saying, If I'm putting together an X-Men team, I'm right. probably taking Wolverine over. Yeah. What was the other thing I was going to say? Oh, yeah, I uh, met Maisie Williams at a Q&A just after season two of Game of Thrones. They were showing, like, the um, previews. 
and I asked her about the role of Arya, they called her Anya, but that's another person in this film. And I asked her about the role of Arya and if it being um, like a feminist, a really strong feminist character had influenced her to take it. And she was like, no, I'd never read the book. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> she does play interesting roles. This is an interesting role because she yeah. is um, a person brought up in a Catholic background. Yeah, who... very... Very strict Catholicism. Super um, strict, yeah. Um, and that's one of those things where, because I, I was trying to work this out, and um, obviously this movie's set modern day, and I think that's one of the things where her backstory makes more sense in the context of her being a teenager in like 1982. Mm. Apparently, even... they were going to set this film in the 80s, but right. um, decided not to uh, stylistically, I think. I think it was just like a because they wanted to put Buffy on the TV. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> That's fair. But then it's one of those things where if you change it too much, you lose the the character completely. But yeah, she seems to come from that a very strict Catholic tradition. And then I, I suppose we should talk about what the plot is, which is that Danny Moonstar's character is is it, her entire reservation is destroyed by a quote unquote tornado. Yes. And then she wakes up in what you as a viewer are left to assume because the work done in previous movies, you're left to assume this is some part of Professor Xavier's organization. Right. I didn't assume that, but I can definitely see why. Yeah. Why like they talk about my, would. my superior has a special place for it and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought, mm, I, yeah, yeah, I was like, and, oh. and, and then immediately go, it's definitely not exactly. Right. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. the kid, the characters themselves seem to think it's something to do with that. Yes, and they do. She wakes up and there's four other characters there and creepy and bad things start to happen. Yes. With um, like new bad things. So it's almost like the place they're in, which is something in between like a hospital and an asylum. Yeah. It's, it's an, it seems to be like an old, I, I think I, I couldn't tell where this was supposed to be set, but I got a UK vibe. I did. It. When you see the outside, it yeah. does look like would be in the UK. It looks like yeah. a British building. It looks like British trees, British countryside. Yeah, I think it. From the, the vibe I was getting, it seems to be some sort of like maybe it was like an old military base that's been abandoned. Mm. It's out in the middle of nowhere, like I, I like somewhere that there's not around. Same place that prisons in the UK get built. Mm. There's a force field around the outside, so no one can get out. And they're telling the kids, "Your powers make you dangerous to yourself," and so, that other people will be a danger to them because they're different. Yeah, so they're trying to get them so that they have powers that are under control. And the main plot of this is, a large part of the fun of this, if you're not uh, a comic book fan, I would imagine, is is finding out what everyone's powers are. Because yes. you don't really get a grip on what the main character's powers are until about the midpoint of the film. Yeah, so you get Maisie Williams' character, Rain Sinclair's powers, fairly early on. Yeah. Or yeah, they're hinted at, I think they're hinted at enough that you'd like cotton on to what's going on. Yeah. And then they straight up show you cannonballs straight away. Yeah. Straight away. Ileana, that's magic, isn't it? That's her. Uh, yeah. Yeah. She, um, you get like hints of her powers, but not like the whole picture. Yeah. 
And then Roberto, what's his name? Sunspot. Yeah, Sunspot. He is very, he, his whole thing is he's specifically not telling people what his powers are. Right. Um, his until, a super secret for about two thirds of the film. About two thirds of the film. And then it's just fire. Yeah. Like it's not even. It's, <laughs> <laughs> like there's like, it's like, oh, you've got fire powers. There's like seven guys who've got that. <laughs> So, <laughs> what I was mentioning earlier is that I had trouble telling between Cannonball and Sunspot's powers. Yeah. So, because seeing the way that they depicted Cannonball's power, like he tied himself to a, to a wire and then went concrete. like pinging yeah. around on fire, but like a, like he's flying around and hitting the floor and stuff. And I was like, I don't yeah. understand what's happening. So, if, if I recall, uh, the, the the comic book explanation of this is it's um, he can control kinetic energy in a way that oh. he can make himself move at incredible speed. And once he's moving, it becomes it's more or less impossible to stop him. Um, you know how like the blob, right. uh, the big fat guy, his power is that you can't move him at yes. all. He's like the opposite of that. He's like the the he's the unstoppable force to the blobs immovable object. Right. Kind of okay. Thing. In the comics, he's fascinating, and this is another reason why it's disappointing that they're not getting a sequel. Because in the comics, Sam Guffrey is the oldest brother of a family of five siblings, and all of them have superpowers. Like oh. all of them are mutants. Yeah. So there's like there's a comic at some point where some people turn up to like. Um, like one of the, the the youngest sister starts like they're from the, the deep south in America, and I think there's a, there was a comic where I think the youngest sister starts dating a, a black guy at school, and some racists turn up to the house to try and give him shit, and it's just one of the most hilariously one-sided fights <laughs> in history because they basically turn up at the house where five of the X Men live, <laughs> um, <laughs> and they just get battered. Um, nice, that sounds yeah, so, great. Yeah, so yeah, it's a it's a shame we're not going to get to see any of that. But yeah, this is yeah, it's this is one of the most. I've definitely after the three X Men movies, I like Days of Future Past, but the yeah. the one after that, um, Dark Phoenix. I don't know if I even watched that yet. That was with uh, coincidentally because Maisie Williams is in this. Yeah, with Maisie's best friend. Sophie Turner. Sophie Turner, thank you. Yes, yeah. because yeah, so, Sophie Turner is, well, I'm a, I haven't seen it, so I'm assuming she's young Jean Grey yes. in Dark Phoenix. Yeah. Okay. And it's, yeah. is it on Disney Plus now? Um, yes, that is on Disney Plus. So I, I'll watch that. I'll it, give that one. That's a movie that also suffers from the Disney purchase right. thing, because there are a shape-shifting alien species that turn up throughout Dark Phoenix who were obviously supposed to be scrolls. Uh-huh. And then yeah. they were told to change them from being scrolls into just some generic alien because Disney bought them and were using wanted to use the scrolls for Captain Marvel. Oh. Yeah. Well, that's a shame. Yeah. This is where you get into the weird area where a load of movies get pr- affected by like business practices and stuff that are going on. But. Mm. Yeah. I wonder if Disney will make any X-Men films in the future. My theory is they're going to let it rest. Yeah. Because I think if I think that with 
everything else Marvel do, like Disney do as under Marvel, they they seem to like even the Avengers, they space out individual character movies. Like even though they're knocking out two a year, hmm. you don't really have time to get tired because we still like we still only had one Doctor Strange and two Ant Men. Like there's plenty of room to go because they space them out in that way. And I think they're probably gonna leave the X Men alone for a little while until they can come up with something good. But because you've got to get far enough away. The problem is, I think they've got is, at the moment, you can't recast Wolverine because no. Hugh Jackman owned that role perfectly for so long yeah. and only got to really do it properly in Logan. Like, only then did he get to do the proper version of that character. So I just kind of think that you need to wait. Because I was talking about this the other day, like, who would you cast as Wolverine? I can't think of a single person. No, you can't get Hugh to, Jackman out of your mind. Like he was no, so and Hugh perfect Jackman was cast just because he looked so much like Clint Eastwood. Was he? Is, is that true? Well, yeah, yeah, so he, um, Wolverine is based on Clint Eastwood. I don't know like, that. His, yeah, Wolverine's face and attitude is based on Clint oh. Eastwood in the um, Clint Eastwood's The Man With No Name, like from the Westerns. Yeah. Um, and the idea was that Wolverine... Because Wolverine doesn't have a past, and in a lot of Wolverine stories and his like solo stuff, he just turns up and wrecks shit um, and solves whatever problem is by killing everyone. And you kind of like, and it was just kind of like that character, like he was supposed to be like a gunslinger who like arrives in town on a motorbike, solves the problem, and then just pisses off. Right. Uh, okay. That doesn't makes sense. Have, and that's yeah. So, so then when they stumbled across Hugh Jackman, who looked like a young uh, <laughs> Clint Eastwood, yeah, they they cast him on that, and then yeah, I can't think of anyone out there who is good casting for yeah you just end up in a so i think it's a good idea to just they're going to leave it i hope they're going to leave it for a bit because i don't know you know disney they uh want to make money 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 (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah they do this is is that problem where you get into that thing of like is that you can it's that thing a lot of people don't understand which is you can be very troubled by disney's business practices of constantly seeming to try and own a monopoly on happiness (laughs) um, whilst also being excited about the fact that Marvel now have the rights to Galactus. Like that's, you can have both of those things in your head at the same time. But yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing the X-Men mix it up with the Avengers. That'll be cool. But equally, Marvel, Disney shouldn't have been allowed to buy Fox. Uh... (laughs) No, that's weird, isn't it? It seems like such an odd acquisition to me. I yeah. guess, do you think it was just driven by the split of Marvel? I I wouldn't say it's, I wouldn't say it's not. Like, I don't know how much they spent on Fox, but like, I know yeah. they spent, they getting LucasArts cost Disney four billion. Yes. And they made that back in a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. not just, the, not just the fact they managed to crank out two films, but they knocked out a computer game and all of the new toy line from the new movies. And all the series. Yeah, and everything like that. They did that Clone Wars series and all sorts, didn't they? Um, Yeah, yeah. I was was working at Disney while that was going on. I got a lot of free stuff. (laughs) Lots of Star Wars stuff. (laughs) Yeah, and I can't imagine, like, if you say they're buying... Well, I mean, like, say getting The Simpsons on Disney Plus is is a good thing, but even if they spent whatever they've spent on just getting the X-Men, when they do get around to doing X-Men movies, 10 years of that, they'll easily get the X-Men movies making a billion dollars yeah. because they'll have done that work that they do of setting them up in a bunch of different movies, having the X-Men come together and also then just put Spider-Man in. So people go see it. 
Yes. <laughs> that sounds amazing. So yeah, yeah I'm up for it. <laughs> I, I definitely want a movie where Wolverine and Spider-Man hang out. They're some of the best comics ever written. Are uh, they? That sounds awesome. There's, there's, there's one team up where they're, like Wolverine is on the bonnet of a car that's hit him and he's trying to climb up the car to get the driver and the driver's about to crash the car into a um, into a petrol tanker and Spider-Man's with him. So Spider-Man swings down and manages to web swing and pick up the car off the ground. And as he's swinging through the air, he passes out from the pain. And just before he passes out, as he's lifted the car up, Wolverine says, wow. And then when <laughs> Spider-Man wakes up the, from like having passed out, the first thing he says to Wolverine is like, I heard you say, wow. And Wolverine's like, no, you didn't. <laughs> um so yeah i'm up for i'm up there's fun to be had with those characters but uh yeah it's it is equally troubling that if there's something from your childhood that brought you happiness disney will buy it <laughs> yes. and repackage it and then sell it back to you yeah at twice the price and ask that you pay a yearly subscription yeah mulan um, case in point yeah <laughs> although they didn't buy that but oh my god 20 pounds just to watch it and then you don't even own it i don't know how they're getting away with that no especially when, just wait it'll be on disney plus yeah in december in december the thing is i, I say that but if if they do it tomorrow with black widow i'm probably going to pay 20 quid <laughs> would you <laughs> yeah is it still going to be it's still going to be scarlett johansson is it is it just so the, her own individual film it's yeah so the 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 the, the the story with that is the reason that they never did a Black Widow solo film is because they um, Scarlett Johansson's contract had a certain number of movies on it up to the end of Infinity War. Right. And if they'd wanted to do a solo Black Widow movie, her contract wouldn't have covered... No, up to, sorry, up to Endgame. Her contract wouldn't have covered Endgame because she signed on for a certain number of movies, at which point, if you're Scarlett Johansson, you can turn around and demand $200 million yeah. to finish out the storyline. So right. instead they did this, and then they were like, now we want to do a solo Black Widow movie, but if you want to play that sort of hardball, we don't have to make a solo Black Widow movie. Oh. So this is, this, is, this is set just after Civil War. Captain and America. Yeah, so it's when the Avengers have split up before they come back together in yes. Infinity War. Iron and, Man, Captain America, have a have a Barney, that one. And yeah, and from what I can work out, it's the movie of uh, Florence Pugh is in it and she's um playing the character who in the comic books was the second Black Widow. Right. Florence Pugh from Ladybird. Uh no, no. Um, no. Oh wait, Midsummer. the British one. Yeah, Florence Midsummer Pugh. and Fighting With My Family. Yes, yes. I am never sure about it. It's because she was in Little Women with oh, she was, Saoirse yeah. Ronan. That's the one I was thinking of. They were in Little yeah. Women together. And I'm never sure how I feel about Florence Pugh. I loved her in Midsummer. I yeah. didn't like her in Fighting With My Family, but I don't know if I just didn't like the character. Uh. <laughs> Who's a real person. Sorry, sorry. But yeah, I didn't. And then, um, and then Little Women, but I think Little Women was handled really badly. So maybe if someone else had done yeah, that. Yeah, I, I, but I, I really liked her in Midsummer, so I'm kind of. She's great um, in Midsummer. Yeah, yeah I'm, up, I'm up for this, but uh, I, I think it's like this part of the. I think they're trying to get a bunch of young people in to be the Avengers now. So they're going to. Yeah. So it'll be like Spider Man. So they can get like 20 years out of them because. You've got Tom Holland as Spider-Man and you have Florence Pugh as the new Black Widow 
And I think there's supposed to be a Disney Plus series where Hawkeye trains the new Hawkeye. Okay. Um, So, yeah, they're doing a bunch of that sort of stuff. So, anyway, New Mutants. (laughs) New Mutants. Going off on loads of tangents this episode, and I love it. Thanks so much for listening to my chat today with Eddie. If you head on over to part two now, then you'll hear the rest of our chat um, where we talk some more rubbish about some other things. Great. I know you want to listen to that. I know you can't wait. Uh, thank you so much Eddie for joining me for this part thanks creative thanks go to Els, Jackie and John thank you so much for your input and thank you as ever for my logo to Sophie B Designs I'll see you in part two